Welcome to the Hurricane Center podcast, produced by the Storm Science Network and part of the National Tropical Weather Conference. This podcast is made possible by USAA, the South Padre Island Convention and Tourist Bureau, and Plylock's Hurricane Clips. Well, good morning. Uh, Tim is off today, and uh, we are going to get started. We've got two really good guys with us today at Petroski James Spann. Wow, we've got a big conversation coming up about social media. But first, we've got to make sure that we let everybody know we've got some great sponsors out there. And they are the USAA, South Padre Island Convention and Tourist Bureau, The Weather Company, Weather Boy, Live View, Walmart, and of course, Black Magic Design. They help us keep everything going. Thank you so much for all the support and uh, keeping our conference going down in South Padre Island. We've got it set up uh, for next April, the uh, 12th through the 15th. We're expanding it out a little bit. We're actually starting early this time around on a Wednesday afternoon. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up. And of course, our great guy that's been with us all this time, Bill Reed. He's our our, our master of ceremonies. He's our master of ceremonies everywhere, and he's also our tropical expert. Bill, how are you doing this morning? Doing fine. We've had uh, on the uh, uh, model and human forecast of uh, less than a quarter of an inch of rain for this week. My gauge is currently spilling into the two-inch variety, but the sun is out today and the rain was needed, so I'm doing great. Fantastic. Uh, let me, uh, I'm going to just give you a quick view of the tropics for those that aren't uh, that are still wondering if anything's left and we'll see what happens uh, starting with the uh, the goes west satellite the central and eastern pacific are quiet uh, as they're supposed to be we're usually at past the end of the season for for the uh, uh, the eastern Paci- or yeah the eastern pacific uh, and you can still get something going but it's very rare when that happens uh, the Atlantic is uh, also looking quiet. There is a, a small wave here in the southeastern, extreme southeastern entrance to the Caribbean, producing rain in uh, Grenada, Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago uh, today. And nothing's forecast to, to develop in that. In fact, looking at the longer term model trends, it looks like the dry season is slowly getting its way in there to where we can put this season to bed. And with that in mind, this is everybody's favorite tropical weather outlook. Nothing expected across the board. So uh, I'll stop the share there and I'll introduce our guests and we'll get started. Uh, our two guests today, uh, Ed Pietroski from uh, uh, the Myrtle Beach area in South Carolina. And he's the chief meteorologist on ABC 15 in uh, Myrtle Beach. Uh, he's spent his entire 38 30-year broadcast career in the coastal Carolinas, which I'm sure has led to a great deal of, uh, of uh, expertise uh, learned through the years of the weather events that have occurred there. Uh, you've received num- numerous awards, including our own John Coleman National Award for coverage uh, of the Hurricane Florence event. I have uh, uh, also James Spann. Uh, James has been with us before on, on this. He comes to us out of uh, Birmingham, where he's the chief meteorologist, uh, ABC 33 Slant 40. Uh, he's been there since basically when the station came on the air in 96, uh, though I do remember uh, a short stint where you were in the Dallas market, and I was actually a forecaster at the Fort Worth office back then. Uh, that's where we probably first met. Uh, 
many awards has been come his way, and he's really become known in the in the community for his uh, outstanding work during severe weather, tornadoes, and floods uh, that unfortunately uh, visit the Alabama area quite often. Uh, found out the, from his bio that in his spare time he's a extra class uh, amateur radio. Uh, I never went past technician on that, but that was a fun thing to learn. Uh, and your your creative outlook every week is hosting the Weather Brains podcast, which I've had the pleasure of being on and, and listening to on a Monday night sometimes. Uh, so, uh, uh, Alex uh, teased it with uh, uh, social media being our uh, topic of discussion. Uh, I think we'll start off uh, here for you guys on, on uh, how you use the social media and what some of your basic thoughts on that, and then we'll get into some of the nitty gritty. So Ed, why don't you start us off? All right, I am just the warm up act for the man, James Spann, of course, who uh, has taught us all about social media and how to use it properly. And uh, for me, it's all about developing the relationships with our viewers and followers and uh, connecting with them, not only on a personal level, but also meteorologically when we have big events ongoing around here. Uh, Facebook Live is a big deal for us. So is uh, Instagram and Twitter. And of course, it's our way to disseminate information outside of the normal broadcast hours. And as we all know, we are all multimedia meteorologists anymore. It's not just uh, appointment television where people watch the newscast. But as, as James will tell you, you're on 24-7. And uh, you've, as James has said many times, you have to have a servant's heart to be able to do, especially what he does on a daily basis. Okay, uh, James, welcome. Well, <laughs> Bill, it's you're the greatest. I mean, I, I'm I'm just honored to be in the same platform with all you guys, uh, you and Alex and and Ed. Uh, social media is a blessing and a curse. And and listen, for all of us, we don't have any training in this. None of us. Where we're feeling our way in the dark. So I think that anybody that claims to be a social media expert, I don't know if they are. I'm sure not. I mean, I dabble heavily in it because I think you have to and, and, and it's like Ed uh, it's our job to reach people and to develop a relationship with people because when there's a hurricane coming up on that South Carolina coast you need to, to know who to turn to who do you trust and when you establish a relationship with Ed through months or years of following him you understand him you feel like you know him and you're gonna trust him and, and it's the same thing with me when there are tornadoes flying around here I, I believe I was born to be standing in front of a green wall when there are tornadoes around here. And uh, it is my job to mitigate loss of life. And so I use it to, like Ed said, establish a relationship with people prior to those big events and also to reach people that would never, ever, ever watch television. Linear television is, you know, the Ron Burgundy newscast. That was great. Back when I first met Bill in the 80s, I was Channel 4 News, Dallas-Fort Worth, live, local, late, all this stuff. You know, the next generation will not use it that way. And I think something marvelous will come of all of this, but it will have to be reinvented. So we reach people that would never watch television. And the other thing is that we get information back. We get pictures. We get video. We get critical information that I use on the air during severe weather because people, when they see me in front of a radar, they might not do anything. But if they see a, a video of a tornado or a flood, they'll react to that. So uh, it, it's... It's good and bad. Uh, Bill, we could talk about this for a long time, but I think that the benefits outweigh the negatives. That's good to hear. Uh, so, so Alex, uh, let's let's get your take on uh, how you use social media 
in the San Antonio area? Well, you know, we've got uh, a big social media group here where, you know, we do Twitter, we do Facebook, but we find a lot of folks are usually on Facebook uh, in our area, and so we use it quite a bit. We, we punch out a lot of the uh, alerts. Uh, we have uh, forecasts that go out every day, a couple of three times a day, live forecast. Then we do Facebook Lives uh, on the regular days just to kind of give people a heads up, particularly like a week like today. Uh, we've got Thanksgiving coming up. Normally everybody wants to get out and enjoy it, but boy, we're looking at a cold front coming in. So we've been doing social media posts about this particular forecast coming up for tomorrow, uh, hitting it pretty hard for about a week. So every time you get something really big like that, uh, we use social media to give the heads up, to tell people what's going on. And I think, and I'm sure James and Ed will, will agree on this, when you do a Facebook Live during severe weather, you're looking tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people that are really joining into that cast, not only locally, but from around the region as well. Very interesting. Uh, I haven't seen recent surveys, but uh, every year we've done, uh, 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 independent groups have done surveys on, on uh, uh, how people get their information on hurricanes, and it was always at least while I was keeping track of that up until a few years, certainly through uh, five years ago, uh, when a storm was actually affecting, getting ready to affect an area, uh, the usage of social media was down down a few notches and people still relied most heavily on your live broadcast. Is that, is that still uh, the trend, you think? Ed? As far as I can tell, I think Tim Heller did a research, uh, did some research just recently on that, that you know, on normal days where there's not a whole lot going on, a lot of people are going to social media uh, for information. But when the events are big, like tornadoes or hurricanes, they gravitate toward local television to get more context and perspective. So, you know, at least in my market, you know, there's 10 or 12 times a year that we call Super Bowls. And those are the ones that you need to be really active, not only on social media, but also on television, because that's when people are tuning in the most to see what's going to happen in your area. Yeah. James? Yeah, I'll agree with Ed. Uh, our numbers are really, really high during tornadoes and high-impact weather events, snowstorms. We don't get that many at this latitude, but occasionally we can. And I do believe that uh, leading right up to and during the event itself, people are going to go to the television coverage. Now, they might be watching it on Facebook Live because we simulcast. I think all television stations simulcast on all platforms when you've got a, a high-impact weather event. But I will say that uh, in this odd climate that we're in socially in this country, a lot of people uh, uh, are now turning to rogue, uh, I call them weather entertainers, and they're not all bad. Please understand, they're not all bad. Some are, are really showing us how we should be doing media in a new world, but some are bad. Some are rogue actors that provide horribly... Uh, hyperbole, hyperbolic information that's not good. But a lot of people have decided that mainstream media is fake news and I'm not going to watch them. They're lying and da 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 I'm going to go find my favorite TikToker or my favorite YouTube guy. And, and they're beginning to, we're starting to see a little bit of that where they're not watching Ed or James Spann. They're going to watch their favorite TikToker or YouTube guy. And, and then again, it's not all bad. But most of these people have no formal training in meteorology. They're not really qualified to do what they do, and, and it, some of it's uh, dangerous. And uh, again, that is what it is. That horse is not coming back in the barn. 
Oh, I, perhaps the if I were in your shoes, per, I would probably be thinking in terms of uh, of developing someone that, that never is on the air on your station that kind of looks like a rogue meteorologist, but is trained by you guys <laughs> to do your social media. That's a great idea. That is a great idea uh, because you, you need a hipster. Uh, that's got a degree in meteorology that's qualified to do that, that understands the culture. And, and again, we do have to reach people that don't watch television, that, that watch YouTube and TikTok. And that's the reason I, I'm on TikTok. Um, and I totally agree with that. Uh, but, but again, I, I, I want people to hear that I'm not condemning everybody that does that. There's some really good weather enthusiasts that are very well versed in weather. They might not have formal education, but they're good at it and they disseminate good information. But um, uh, some of the numbers that these folks are gathering, it's just uh, unbelievable how many people watch them. And, and again, it goes back to this political, odd, social you know, environment in the country where mm -hmm. people have decided everybody that's on television, they're phonies, they're fake news, they're liars, and they're going to go find somebody that they like on the political side of things. But anyway, I can't control that. But I do believe that if you develop a relationship with younger people on TikTok, and not that I listen. When I turn on TikTok, that people are doing one of three things: they're dancing, they're funny, or they're cussing. And I am not funny. I know funny. I'm not funny. I don't dance, and I'm not much of a cusser. But I do get over there when the weather's really active. And, and some of those views will get two hundred thousand views on a little short video that you do. I try and stay over there to develop a relationship with with that demographic, so they'll know that they can trust me, and I know what I'm talking about, and this is how you find me when there's active weather, but I think we have to be on those platforms to develop those relationships. That's cool. Yeah, TikTok, I've never looked at it, but you, you just described my role in TikTok would be to have me on a little video on TikTok playing golf. You get both <laughs> dancing and cursing. <laughs> I'm not doing that either. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Alex, the, uh, uh, how, do you guys, how do you guys reach the younger demographic? You know, that's a really tough one, uh, as uh, James was saying, because, you know, culturally, they're, they're in a whole different generation than we are. And what I have to do is go talk to my granddaughter, go talk to my kids, get them to give me some ideas. How do I reach people, like on TikTok, how do I reach people on Instagram better? And, you know, they provide some really neat ins insights. They'll say, don't do this, don't use that, just spend a short time dealing with this. This is what we want to know. So I'm using them kind of as a, a resource to be able to produce things. And for TikTok, it's quick. I mean, it's, it's the quick thing. No dancing, as James said, certainly no cussing. And I don't know funny either. So it's a tough time. So we've kind of formulated a little video that we do. It's formulated out so that it gives, it's got the, the popular music, my kids pick it out. Uh, we give the weather information in quick headlines and it goes out. And uh, so far it's working. The TikTok numbers are coming up really fast uh, because it's only 29 seconds long. You gotta know what the algorithm is. Stay under the 30 second mark and it gets shared a little bit more, particularly on TikTok. Same thing for Twitter. We're using that same little formula to kind of punch out on Twitter, keeping it at 29 seconds. So there's a lot of little things you have to learn in there with algorithms, but I feel if you've got some younger folks that you can use as resources, they can help guide you along the way. And that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. Interesting. Uh, Andy, uh, 
when, when you have a big weather event like a, a hurricane approaching in the area, do you have someone extra on staff that their sole role is to keep track of the and, and that interact with the social media platforms? Yeah, we have uh, we have four members on staff, and obviously we can't put everybody on air uh, at one time. So we do have to split the shift for hurricane coverage because it is so long and quite extended. Um, so we'll only usually have two people on air, and of course one that's monitoring all the social media. And of course, like what James does as well, you have a computer sometimes on screen uh, to monitor social media and be able to pull that uh, video or photo up almost instantaneously. So uh, we make sure, and we of course have our our, our folks in the on the internet side of things, our digital side, who are also monitoring our social media as well. And uh, so I think, you know, when it comes to that, we can get stuff on the air very quickly uh, when you have multiple people during big events monitoring uh, social media. And back to what uh, you guys were talking about with reaching the younger people, and I know James does this, I think, every single day. Visiting schools is a great, great way to get them, you know, connected to your social media or watching your television station. and honestly asking them questions about where they're going for their information. So I think that's a huge way to reach the, uh, the younger folks as well. Yeah, Preet, let me, let me step in here. What Ed said is right, bingo. Uh, I, I'm in a school every day. A lot of days I do two schools. And you, you've talked to first through fourth graders. I, I like that age group, some like middle school or high school. But listen, if you reach them at that young age, You'll have them when they're 18, when they're 20, when they're 22. I, I cannot stress how critical that is. And I see a lot of television meteorologists that just don't do it. They don't, they don't want to. They say, I don't have time. Well, you know what? I don't either. But I make time for the things that I think are important to be successful. And that's absolutely critical. And Ed's got it right on being in schools every day. That's important. I'm surprised people don't want to. I, I did that as an MIC. I love going to schools. To, but I see every time you go to a school, they give you a cake. I'm surprised you're not 300 pounds by now. <laughs> yeah, the, the key is leaving it in the break room for my fellow, you know, coworkers. So yeah, I might dabble in it. Yeah. So uh, hero every day. Yeah. So do you have James? Do you have extra people uh, when you have like a, a you're in a tornado watch and the radar's getting active? So do you have extra people to help monitor the social media? Yeah, well, like Ed says, in television, we have a whole digital team. That, that, that's, oh, that's the big growth area in television is digital social people that are over there. But having said that, you know, for the people that follow the James Spann accounts, the James Spann on Facebook or James Spann on Twitter or Instagram or the talker, you know, Mastodon or whatever, uh, I don't let anybody touch those accounts. It's me. If some kid is pushing out information on the James Spann account, that's a scam. You know, wow. it needs to come to me. So I, I stress, once we get into long-form coverage on television, I want you to watch. Because I, I can do a little bit, and I, I'm a multitasking maniac during severe weather. But a lot of that has to be used on some other things. So I, I encourage them just to watch, to watch. Please watch. Everything you need to know is going to be there, and this is how you watch. Uh, and... Uh, I really stress that leading up to it. So when it comes to my personal accounts, it's still me. But the one thing I do during a, a tornado event, an outbreak or whatever, uh, I am monitoring all these platforms and a lot of other things too. But if I see a video of a tornado or a wall cloud or damage or f photographs, I can take that to air like that. Uh, a lot of stations, they, they want it to go through their graphics department and put the logo on there and, you know, we're eyewitness news. No, 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 no. Yep. Yeah, no, no. It goes straight to air. So you'll see me, 
with a you know laptop and with a with a tablet and that tablet goes straight to an apple tv which goes straight to the switcher and it's always got that on there so and you have to be careful because you know you can get some bad actors that try and send you know pornographic images or something trying to game the system but most of our people are good and i know how to do that and that's really important so uh, getting that information is something i watch for every minute during tornadoes yeah that's from a from a consumer of you guys stuff that's been the greatest part of the innovation is to is to get a, a video of what's going on on the ground to go cor correlate to what the warnings say uh we we just celebrated it or recognize celebrates the wrong word well maybe not we recognize the 30th anniversary of what has been still the biggest tornado outbreak in Houston, which was in November of 92. I believe you had some over all the way in both you guys' markets also. But the, the frustrating thing working that event was we knew there were tornadoes out there with ham radio guys were seeing and we were getting great reports, but we had nothing to give people in the way of a visual on that. We wondered how much different it might be today. On the other hand, uh, miracle of miracles, nobody got killed in that event. That's because you did a good job, Bill. Amen. That and uh, the good Lord was looking down on them because the, the, the F4 went right through a neighborhood with all kinds of people at home. And uh, actually, that's where you guys do a good job because what 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 they're what we gathered from the conversations with them is they they knew what to do when they heard the tornado coming. They didn't know there was a warning, but they knew to get to an interior room. And guess where they got it? You guys constantly would repeat that on the air. Uh, those kind of uh, messages. So, uh, Alex, I, uh, uh, a lot of times I notice you're kind of a one-man show and weather's going over there. Uh, uh, do you have other people that uh, that work the uh, social media end for you? Well, no. <laughs> I like these other guys have great digital teams. We have a digital team also, uh, but they are, uh, we're two stations and we have one digital team for both. And so it, it gets a little hectic for them. So it's usually a one-man show. Uh, I try to do a lot of it. Uh, I'm like James. I'm a multitasking maniac. I've got several laptops and computers out. And so when things hit, I just go from one to one to one to the next and schedule things out. If I see something coming and I know it's going to get pretty big, I get a lot of the uh, generic stuff that has to go out, generic warnings. I schedule that out. So it's already there, so I just have to pepper it in with the current material and then simulcast what we do on air, what we do on our platforms as well. And there's a lot of the times when we're on wall-to-wall -wall coverage and I'm simulcasting off of my laptop uh, to Facebook and to Twitter at the same time. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a one-man operation uh, here. Bring that to, right to, the, to the hurricane uh, aspects, since that's our focus, the... Uh uh, uh, yes, we get we get lead time to some extent on severe weather, but it's a little more nebulous days, three days and beyond out. Whereas with with the hurricane, uh, uh, pretty much when there's a a wave come off of Africa from there until where it finally ends up, it's in people's face, and there's there's always some question of where how far we can go in the forecast. But it's basically a a five day forecast. It seems to me that that uh, you're not going to be on the air full time for five-day-out forecast on the storm. This seems to be a, 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 a pretty darn good avenue for really utilizing the social media. Uh, so my question is, uh, 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 what kind of graphics do you guys use uh, that are modified, say, from what comes out of the Hurricane Center to, 
to feed into the into your social media feeds and on the air for that matter. You know, I think, uh, you know, for us, like you said, 15 days out, people are already starting to share the GFS fantasy canes out there that 99 out of 100 times doesn't happen. But you have to address it before it gets really out there and is spreading like wildfire and everybody starts to believe it. So for us, you know, we're not 15 days out, but even 10 days out, if there's something that's even remotely uh, close to being threatening to the United States, we'll start our Facebook lives and Quite honestly, for me, that's really the only time I do Facebook Lives is when there's bad weather uh, within the next seven to 10 days or so, so that I don't water it down the rest of the year with just stuff that's just filling time or what have you. But for us, it's on Facebook Live, you can go into, into a much greater detail in depth about what things are ahead that could, uh, steering currents that could turn things one way or another, why things may uh, get worse with the hurricane, whether it strengthens or not. So you can just do a lot more explaining in a half hour uh, Facebook Live than than you can do on television. So that aspect of social media has been fantastic to really provide a lot of context and perspective on what's going on with a developing tropical system. And, you know, obviously there are days where you go five or six days in a row, like we still don't know, we still don't know. And at least we can teach people that, you know, meteorology, the reason you guys only do a five day forecast is because beyond that, it's basically a guess. Nobody really knows beyond five days. And, and some of the folks that are on social media saying this is where it's going to go, they're gonna be a hero once every 10 times, nine out of 10 times, they're gonna be a zero, but there's no accountability for, for some of those people. And we have to be accountable, so we've gotta be careful how we present everything. James, how about you? Anything to add to that? Yeah, you know, um we we deal with consultants in the television business. I, I don't know if in the weather service you ever dealt with consultants, Bill, but uh, I know the, the, these these guys will come in here and tell you, oh, your your map color needs to be this, and you've got to have this logo, and the, the, you know they're real big on that the graphic look, and and that's fine because I don't know anything about that. That's great for television, but on social media, I, I you know instead of grabbing graphics off that fancy television box, the expensive graphics system. I'll choose Hurricane Center products straight from the Hurricane Center site. That's fine. People are used to seeing that. It's a lot easier for me, and I don't get hung up in those fancy graphics. But and and I'll show stuff, you know, model output, raw model output. It's not pretty. It doesn't look like it's supposed to be on television. But it's not television. It's social media. It's a different platform. So the the graphic look is not that important to me. It's the content. And like Ed says, uh, you know it. When tropical systems are brewing, you know, you're dealing with this ocean of misinformation, horrible information. And it's from those that are driving page views and subscriber counts to monetize their feeds and to make cobs of money off scaring people. It's fear porn. And in half of the battle, it's putting the fear porn down and saying, look, there's no skill. In a forecasting the intensity or a landfall point of a hurricane 10 days in advance, zero, none. Don't pay attention to these guys, yet people are sucked into this. So we have to put down the hype and just explain uncertainty and explain what we can do, explain what we can't do, and uh, present it in a logical way. And like Ed says, the beautiful thing about social media, Bill, is that we don't have a producer in our ear screaming, RAP! You know, because, you know, we're still doing Ron Burgundy newscasts and, and whether people typically get three minutes, you know, two or three minutes and that's it. And trying to tell a complicated story 
in three minutes is hard to do. Where if you go live on any of these social platforms, you don't have any time restrictions. Now, having said that, people have a really short attention span. You just can't, you know, yak, yak, yak away for, you know, an hour. They're not going to watch that. But if you're interesting and, and the content is meaningful to them and relevant to them, they'll watch that. And I, I like that. I do two things a day on, on I simulcast on Facebook and YouTube we call it uh, yeah I used to call it the weather extreme video but I don't like that word extreme because it, it denotes hype but it's just a weather briefing and yeah. uh, it, it's my favorite outlet yeah. during prior to hurricane landfalls it's that if I was doing that I would call it weather nerding yeah, yeah. yeah. People, Brian, people that share your passion for weather will, will, will really resonate on that that type of programming as for the 10-day forecast, uh, I, I get still get bugged by people that have seen uh, Joe Schmuckatella's 10-day forecast out there. And I say, you got a grandkid? They, they usually, because they're my friends, they usually say, yeah, yeah. Give them a map of the tropics and put an X where, where that cloud mass is and tell, tell your five-year-old grandkid to draw where the hurricane is going to go. It's got as much chance of verifying as the forecast in this spot. That's great. Truth uh, really drives me nuts when people go way out, way out on the on the edge. And I guess you're right; it's uh, it's done on purpose for for attracting uh, attention. Hmm, that's too bad. Uh, so that is interesting uh, that the the graphics serve you well as they come out of the hurricane. I'm like you; I don't I didn't grow up in the graphics age. Most of my career, the graphics on hurricane forecast was you waited to hear the points. That the hurricane specialist was going to use. Then you grabbed a piece of paper and one of these things called a pen, and you plotted the points, and that was your graphic because you didn't have an internet back then. So I, I wasn't raised on that, so I don't have a feel for what works and doesn't work. Uh, the, the good old glory days of AFOS and colored pencils, and uh, yeah, it was hurricane tracking charts and paper. I kind of miss those days. I, I'll still doodle on paper, especially when it comes to, you know, surface analysis and trying to forecast the weather. I, I look at some of the products, some, some of the hand-drawn maps that the guys at SPC and NSSL do. They're just tremendous. They're outstanding. They actually still print out the, the, the surface plots for events like we've had around here where there's a coastal trough. And I yeah. try to, I, I try to uh, second guess exactly where that thing is going to end up when the peak of the rain is because that kind of dictates whether you're going to get heavy rain or not but it's it's a it's a hobby now not a obsession <laughs> uh you know Alex, what other questions have we forgotten here well you know i was thinking uh, here in, in some stations and some station groups uh they require you to be on all platforms every day so i'm wondering do you have what we would say minimums. You got to do so many Twitters, so many Facebooks, so many Facebook Lives. Do you have that as part of what you have to do every day? And if so, how do you how do you accomplish that? Anyway, um, I'll go first. Go um, for it. For me, there there is no real set schedule in terms of what I have to do. Uh, I'm lucky enough, uh, like James, although his is a hundred times more than me. I've got a lot of people that send a lot of great photos, a lot of great uh, information. So I've got a lot of great content that I can post throughout the day. So I know that I do more than anybody else at my television station and really in the entire market as well. And it's simply because I've been here 30 years and, and people hopefully have put their trust in me and send me photos and, and so on and so forth. 
but we are not required um, to do anything in particular in the weather office. They obviously want you to be active on, on your social media platforms and get information out there, but um, we kind of do that already. I do limit, you know, I think Sinclair has a policy on how many times you're supposed to do a Facebook Live. I kind of only do it when I need to um, so that I don't, again, water down you know, people see me live on Facebook, they know something big is going on. I guess that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. James? Ed and I work for the same company, and, and I'll say this about Sinclair. They leave me alone. I mean, yeah. the, the, the greatest thing they can do for a meteorologist is to leave us alone because they don't understand what we do. They don't understand what we need to do, and they've done that for me, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, so, But, but the, you know, the, the thing about what you do, pe people need you when they need you and we have to provide products and services on social media that's at the convenience of the people that follow us not our own and i still see so many people that traditional television people that are back in that well i work two to eleven i work you know that's my shift and when i'm not on that shift i'm done with it and, and we just can't live in that world anymore and, and and i understand we have families and i understand we have priorities in life where you need to get off the grid and get away from this phone and get away from the tweeter and the face bag and all this i look i understand that it's brutal because we need to talk about trolls in a minute but um the i, I they know that i'm there for them if it's a, a saturday morning at 4 a.m and uh we just had an incredible you know something that's happened here I, i'll be there and if they send me information i'll respond to them i'm responsive and the, the fact that they know that i'm there for them whether it's a weekend or a weekday night day whatever a holiday that means a lot to them and and you know and again people all the weather people say well i don't have time for that and again i'm the southeastern distributor for busy you look up busy in the dictionary. My face is on that page. I, I'm sleeping about three hours a night, which is not healthy, and I'm not telling people to do that. But for me to be successful, that's about the way it's working right now because I work the night shift on the television side. I work a morning shift here in this studio. I'm, I'm, on, tele, I'm on our morning show on TV. Uh, I do 24 radio stations across the country. Uh, we maintain a blog and have to produce products and services for that. It, uh, I speak in schools, you know, one to two a day. Um, I'm basically working from 4 a.m. to midnight during the week. It's not quite as intense on the weekend. Um, but to be successful, I, for me, I have to do that. So just a reminder, we're here at the service of the people that follow us. We're not here to attract attention to us. And uh, we have to provide products and services on social media that are revel relevant to them and not us. And I see so many people, and I'm chasing a bad rabbit here, but I I've had some job applicants recently where the first thing I do when somebody applies for a job with me, I'll check their social media feeds. I'll look at all of them. And there was one person, I guess just one person on Instagram, 99 of the last 100 posts were selfies. <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong with a selfie. There's nothing wrong with a selfie. That's fine. But 99 out of 100, what you're telling people, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's not about you. It's about me. I don't want anybody like that in my shop. Uh, if you look at my Instagram feed, you know, you might see my mug on there once in a while, but not very often. It's this uh, unbelievable stuff that people send me. So we have to be there when people need us, and we have to be there with content that's important for them, not stuff that means anything to us. Well, you covered a lot of questions I was going to ask you there. <laughs> because I know, you know, as meteorologists, you and I, we're all, we all work for the same company, by the way. Uh, 
we we have to be there and so that for some folks that's a little difficult uh, because you realize you're there Monday through Friday but you also have to be there on the weekends and so you have to reconcile yourself to that so Ed how do you how do you do that how do you reconcile the fact that you need to be there for people and you're providing a service and again as, as James just said and we're going to talk about this it's not about me it's about you you know, especially with hurricanes, for me, there's a point A and a point B. Point A is when you begin your coverage, and point B is when you end your coverage. And that could be 36 to 48 hours. And I sort of have a military mindset because my dad was in the Marine Corps for 30 years. Just get the job done. This is when it's most important to the people at home and on social media. That's when they need the information the most, and they're looking to the person they trust the most. So I can't take eight or 10 hours and take a nap or, or, or anything like that. I just need to be there. And of course, we're tired right by the end of the shifts. It's so important to be there for the people uh, that want that information to hopefully help protect them and keep them safe uh, through some of the worst weather our area has seen. So again, point A, point B, I don't think about how long that stretch is going to be. I just got to get from that point to the final point. Yeah, I can hear that. And so, you know, the next thing is, as we're, as we're doing all of this and we're getting it going, how do we how do we come up with this content that we can keep providing information you know right through, through the weekend because we don't we don't have some of us don't have all this user generated content all the photos and things so what is it that we can do to create content that would provide a service even when the weather's not bad That's a stumble. Well, I, 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 I well, I cheat because I get so much, you know, so, so much material from these people that, that follow me. It's like I feel like I'm cheating the system here because so much of the real, and, and, and you know, in a lot of these newsrooms, you walk in there and they've got the engagement scores of all the yes. local talent in the market. You know, how, how are you doing with engagement? And that thing changes like every minute. And, and I will say, I do not like to lose. I, I've got too much testosterone or something. I, I don't. I don't like losing here. I, I, I dare you. I triple dog dare you to knock me off that thing, the, the number one slot. <laughs> but I'm so blessed because I get all this amazing content from people. And um, and the question I think we all have to ask each other: How much non-weather content do you post? Let me just say this about Ed. Some of the things that he posts are the most encouraging things I read all day on the Internet or social media. I mean, Ed, that's I, 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 some of the stuff you write I need. And it's just I feel like you were just writing that to me. And I know a lot of other people feel the same way. But that's the big question. How much non-weather content do you provide? And I dabble in traffic. What do I know about that? But people just send me this stuff. So I put there's a major interstate shut down because of a wreck. I'll, I'll post that. And every once in a while, like, you know, people send me the picture of the bears in the trees, all these things. I'll post all of that. But I don't know what the right answer is when it comes to non-weather content. But let me just say this. You've got to be really careful. And my position is this, is that you don't double into politics. And, and that my job is to reach people on the left, people on the right, people that are no-wingers. And I'm a no-winger, by the way. Uh, I'm here to reach everybody. So I don't even remotely dabble in politics or anything that even seems political because that's going to polarize you know half the people and i see some weather people that do that and i guess that's okay but it's just not I, I choose not to do that anything you see me posting is not going to involve politics and yet i think you stay away from it too don't you no doubt about that my number one rule is to just be as positive as i can be obviously when you have severe weather you've got to be serious about that but 
uh, like James, I get a lot of user content and we you know, have this beautiful 60 mile stretch of beach that you kind of see behind me here and get a lot of photographers out there sending us some cool stuff. It's a great way to, you see a, a type of cloud, you can explain how that cloud forms from a hole punch cloud to a uh, 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 light pillar or whatever it may be, get those every day. So you can, you can teach people about weather. You can obviously share forecast as well. Some personal stuff, you know, I've got a wife who, who is, is dorky as I am. We have a great time together doing things and, you know, sharing some things about my family, but it's mostly weather related content pictures or what have you. And we actually started a weather calendar about 12 years ago. That is just local photographers who can enter and uh, we choose them and we sell those uh, we sell those calendars and we uh, give money to charity each and every year. So it's kind of cool that we can use the platform for that as well. But politics are an absolute no-no. I, I take a, a page from James' playbook here that if you do politics, we're going to block you because I don't want that crap on my page. <laughs> pretty much a given and be working for the government between the Navy and the Weather Service. You just stayed away from that and I carried that on into retirement. Though anymore... That your bears in the forest somewhere to make that somebody's going to figure out a way to make that political i guess uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, i'll give you a perfect example of that you know we i put a, a video of a bear up the reason we don't have any homes and they're in, in the neighborhoods is because they have no homes anymore everybody's tearing down the trees and then that becomes a big knockdown drag out between like my gosh a bear video has turned into a knockdown drag out fight on social media it's crazy oh that you can post a picture of a sunrise or a sunset and they're fighting about trump and masks and, and all. What, what guys what has this got to do with anything what's the matter with you they, they, they will attack each other and then they attack me and i think that is something that we need to talk about here it's trolls yes. haters and know-it-alls that that dwell over here on these social platforms and that's one of the negative parts of that and the mental health aspects of this uh it, it is it, and listen i'm oldest i'm the oldest guy here maybe me and bill are about the same age but you know even for an older person that, that gets constantly criticized on social media and I, I, it's brutal i mean li listen I, i've been told i should have been aborted by a coat hanger this is the kind of stuff that you get and, and it can it can wear you down if you're not careful and you have to learn how to take breaks and you have to to learn how to deal with it but it's especially hard for the younger meteorologists and especially the women the the brutal attacks that they deal with the sexual harassment that they deal with it is unspeakable i can't tell you how bad it is they can because they deal with it i don't deal with some of the stuff they deal with but uh you know we we, we have to learn how to cope with it and i think for everybody else it's different but for, for those that are dabbling in this and we all have to if you're doing this professionally if you need some professional help don't hesitate to seek that i tell the younger people all the time if you need to speak to a professional a mental health professional about what you're dealing with that's not a sign of weakness on your part that's a sign of strength on your part uh because it's tough and yeah i, I you know and i hate to block people that, that's going thermonuclear if you block somebody they cannot see your content and they might need to see a tornado warning that you're pushing out or, or a hurricane warning or some critical information but for, for some of these folks, you know, a few strikes and you're, you're done. And, and I just, so, yeah, I, I tend to block first and ask questions later. <laughs> That's kind uh, of what we do here, too. I do that uh, Facebook Lives, and occasionally you're going to get some trolls in there. And uh, they either take it politically or they take it in a direction that you just don't want to go. Or there's some that just come up with the wildest, craziest comments to things. And for me... Uh, one strike and you're out with a lot of those folks. 
Ed, do you see a lot of that on your side? Oh, yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, it goes from politics and blaming whoever the president is at the time for the reason we're having the bad weather to um, just attacking other people. And, and I know James deals with this all the time. There's a lot of bots on there that are uh, basically fishing for women's information mm -hmm. uh, in our comments. And, and I mean, I don't know if they're real people or if they're in foreign countries or what the deal is, but it's the same comment over and over. I really like your comments here. Can I send you a friend request? And you know, you have to block those people, but you can't keep up with them all. So many of them. Out there. It's like playing whack-a-mole with those things, and they're bots. There, are, there are thousands and th hundreds of thousands of these things. You block one, there's five more that show up. And and I'm not necessarily blaming Facebook or some of these platforms because you know how, this is hard stuff. But a lot of people are gullible, and a lot of people are there are people that are so lonely. And they see, ooh, I, the good-looking man who just sent me a friend request. I'm gonna, and, and what they do, they're trying to steal personal information and clean out their bank account, which has happened to many, many people. But that's the other thing. I've got to come in here and try and police up some of the comment sections and block the bots and then block the humans that are trolls. And, and that's the biggest negative of the whole thing is dealing with that stuff. But, again, it's just I still believe the positives outweigh the negatives but um, you know living in this we are just in an angry society you've got these drive-by haters haters gonna hate they, they hate ed they hate bill they hate alex they hate me they had hate the guy next to him and driving on the highway they just hate everybody and they want to fight and you have to have this odd combination of sass and grace and i'm from rural south alabama and we learned how to deal with bullies just stand them up and and uh, it's it's not appropriate to do that but every once in a while if i've not had sleep and i don't sleep anyway I'll stand one of them up, and they, a lot of them will do, and if you stand one of them up and just kind of let the world see what they're doing, I, I got a lot of folks that do support what we do, and I've had those people just delete their accounts, they, they, but I want them to think twice about somebody else doing this, but you have to have more grace than sass, I think. You really have to be gracious because a lot of these people are dealing with stuff that you don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know if they have a psychiatric disorder. Uh, and Ginger Z, I think, is really good at it. She she takes such such brutal brutal comments, but she she is the great example for me of learning how to be gracious with the little sass at the same time. I like that a little sass at the same time. You got to have that, uh, particularly on Facebook Lives when you're looking at things coming at you at a, at a really rapid rate, and you get one or two of these in here. And I occasionally I do get those in there. And I try to add that little sass and try to say, you know, if this is just not your cup of tea, perhaps you can go here. Here's a link. Here's something you can go to and try to do that. So dealing with trolls, is, I think, is, is the, the rough part. Uh, let's talk about the new guys on the block, the very, very young meteorologists that are just getting into this. They've been in it two or three years. What advice could you give them about getting their social media uh, accounts really going? And of course, dealing with the trolls and dealing with the fact that you've got to keep posting uh, every day of the week and to devote some time to this in order to build an audience, because that's basically what it is. You're trying to build an audience both on air and on social media at the same time. And it's not only Facebook. We're talking Facebook, we're talking TikTok, we're talking Instagram, and we're talking all these other plants that are coming up. So how do we, how do, we do that? What's your best advice for that? Uh, it, I really want to hear what James has to say about this, and I'm not passing the buck here, but he really <laughs> is the man that knows this, and I, I want to learn from him as well to you know be able to share with my younger folks. I mean, I have some ideas, but uh, they all come from James, so I'd like for him to uh, address that first. Oh, come on. I, I don't know True, anything man. about this. Come on. 
So, so uh, number one, don't worry about your follower count. Don't, don't worry. Don't sweat it. Don't look at so many people are hung up in how many followers they have or subscribers. That, that's not important when you're young. Not, not important at all. What's important is your content and how you manage those accounts. So don't get hung up and, oh, man, there's a guy my age and he's got twice the number of followers. Don't worry about that. You worry about the content. And when it comes to the content, I, I do think we have, and, and let me just say this about this next generation. I think they're brilliant. I think they work hard, and I have full faith that they are going to reinvent what we've been doing, and it will be much better for their generation down the line. I, I love this generation, but I do think that you can't be dancing all the time or smiling when you've got a weather emergency. I see so many journalists, young journalists, reporters, there's a murder scene. And they take a selfie and they're smiling. Are you kidding me? How inappropriate is that? That's horrible. And they see nothing wrong with it. So if there's a, a weather emergency, whether it be a hurricane or a flood or a blizzard or, or a tornado outbreak or whatever, you know, don't be taking smiling selfies. Nobody cares about you. They need to know what's going to happen to them, your followers. So, and you've got to have a servant's heart. You have to put the needs of others before your own needs. The selfie every once in a while is great. That's cool. We all do that. That's great. You have to self-promote. I understand that. But just don't stop it with the constant selfies and the smiling and the dance. Whatever you do, don't dance in a TikTok video when there's a tornado outbreak coming up. And I've seen young meteorologists do that on the key wall that work the morning shift when there's a severe weather outbreak coming up later that day and they're dancing. That That's idiotic. And I don't care what generation it is. I, I don't care. You cannot do that. You've got to be serious when you need to be serious. So, uh, But always be there. Um, you're not working eight hours. That, that went away a long time ago. If you want to work an eight-hour job, this is not the place for you. you you're going to be working uh, all hours of the day, weekends, weekdays. Be there for your people. Good quality content. And they'll find you and they'll follow you and establish a relationship with those people. If you're always there for them, that they will be drawn to you. You will be successful. But you got to work hard. My, my three things, number one, you've got to work hard, harder than anybody else. Number two, you got to do it with integrity. You do the right thing when nobody's looking, and you do it with a servant's heart, and you'll be successful. Sorry, I, I, sound, I sound preachy today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, and what could you add to that, Ed? There's nothing I can add to that, quite frankly. That's exactly, I mean, I, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, blow sunshine up James's rear here, but it's absolutely true. What this guy has done over the past 30, 40 years, all of us have learned from James and and me personally, I 1000% believe in the 24 seven mentality that you need to be there no matter what time of the day it is, two or three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, maybe you're not gonna get sleep that night. You're gonna be up for 36 hours. You do what you gotta do to be there for the people. They're really your employees. If they, employers, if, if you're not serving them, they'll find somebody else to, to get that information from. So I have a lot of respect for the people who watch or follow us because I know that I am serving them and ultimately uh, they're paying my paycheck so I can uh, you know, raise my family and, and support my family. Yeah, listening is very interesting just watching how my grandkids live and die by social media on their cell phones. The, uh, probably the most important thing that us uh, us old salts can provide is the is the guidance away from the trivia that that is the dominant use of the social media at a young age to the content that James talks about. Uh, I wonder if they're taught that at all in the curriculums at schools that do broadcast meteorology. 
That's a great question. I, I don't know, but that that kind of needs to be on the on the docket for sure. Um, I, I just I, I don't know what they're learning in college about social media, how to handle it, but they, they do need to understand when they apply for a job with me, the first thing I'm looking at is their social media feeds. That's it. So that in itself is important. And if you are going to do meteorology, I also would advise, and so many people feel so strongly about political stuff. That's fine. That's great. If that's your passion, that's great. And I'm a big First Amendment guy. You say whatever you want to say. I'll fight for your right to say it. But if you go into the meteorology world, you, you're going to give up some of your freedoms in that you don't need to be promoting political candidates or, or abrasive political views that are going to polarize your audience. That needs to go away. And I just don't think there's a room for that. And, and, and you know, the, the one, you know, 800-pound gorilla that nobody wants to talk about, it's climate and how that's become politicized, and that's part of what we do. And that's a t show topic for a whole other day. But uh, that's a delicate issue that's got to be handled kind of with kid gloves on social media, too. Totally yeah, I agree on that. The... Uh, uh the, the substantive thing, substantive type thing that I still do in, in retirement is interpret what's coming out relative to the tropics from the climate change scientists and and feeding that back to the folks that uh, want me to do that. And it, it's amazing how hard it is to keep that on a, a, a uh, non-emotional level, more of a factual, scientific. Uh, uh, I constantly remind people of the uncertainties in any forecast. The forecast was, if you could perfectly forecast something 20 years from now, it's not a forecast, it's a fact, you're stating a fact. So I keep reminding people that there's a lot of uncertainty out there and uh, that's one of the things that I see in a lot of the social media feeds that I don't see that many, not compared to you guys, I'm sure, but the people that are I don't know what their meteorological background is, but there's so much certainty in their in the what they're pushing out there. Yeah. Do you guys have any uh, uh, good advice on how to handle the uncertainty aspect while using the social media? Here's like I, I got a I got a problem with a big football game Saturday. Okay, that big 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 football well, game in my it's state. Forecasting crappy weather. Right. It, it, it's it's <laughs> Alabama versus Auburn, which is the big game of the year, biggest game of the year in my state. And and the global models with handling this upper low, it's been a nightmare, just a nightmare. And quite frankly, the GFS has really led the European for a change in, in, in ultimately what's going to happen here. But how that thing lifts out and ejects out will determine if, if it rains, how much rain, will there be thunder, and you've got to communicate uncertainty. And what I like to do is to give the, the three scenarios, and, and I provide weather support for the University of Alabama Athletic Department, Coach Saban and these guys. And this is what I do for them on the briefings I'm doing for them. I give the worst-case scenario, worst-case, driving, soaking rain, lightning delay. Uh, best possible case, the rain comes in after the game is over. Uh, the, the game is dry. The most likely scenario, periods of rain during the game with a chance of some thunder and temperature 62 to 65. I, I like to give a spread, the ensemble kind of approach, if that makes any sense. That's a great way to do it, James. And uh, one thing I do, too, is always make myself available. I give all the college, uh, we've got only one college uh Coastal Carolina University here. Coaches there have my number. All the high school coaches have my number so they can text me and get a forecast update. Well, one of them texted me this morning because they got a big uh, playoff game coming up on Friday night wanting to know about the rain. So I think they always remember stuff like that and you're building your credibility with them. But, you know, when it comes to the uncertainty, it's it's like James said, where you, you, you 
put it into multiple scenarios and what's most likely, but what are the ranges? And, and really ensemble forecasting is the way to go, especially as you get into the longer range. Yeah, this, we, I used to uh, like to do that with, with uh, storm surge before we had the exotic models would be to uh, run a contingency forecast. Okay, here's the forecast based on the track forecast. What if it's X number of miles to the left, X number of miles to the right, plus or minus 20 knots to give a, a range of possibilities. All right, we've got about uh, three minutes left here. Uh, wanted to just pop in a question real quick about technology. Uh, is there anything special technological-wise that you guys have added to your group of things that you use when you do social media, or is it just uh, your iPhone or, or Samsung phone? Well, for me, I know James has got a much more elaborate setup, but I have my you know laptop here, my Mac, I also have splash top so I can get into any of my computers uh, at work from home. And I have my own little studio set up at home as well. And uh, so I use that quite a bit and, uh, you know, just kind of make the forecast and do all sorts of graphics and grab right off the internet to, to do what I need to do uh, each and every day. And it's, it's kind of cool to be able to have the splash top so I can get into my computers and, and do things like that. Yeah, we have, we use splash top as well so we can access the, the station, you know, graphics box anywhere. Uh, I do the Jumbotron updates at the University of Alabama football games, and it's be nice to be able to grab graphics off that and use that. But I think the biggest advance is it's the bandwidth that we have. Goodness, I I'm old enough to remember 300 baud modems and, and all this stuff. And now I, here at my house, I've got AT&T fiber, you know, one gig up, one gig down. I mean, it's outstanding. I mean, you can have everybody in the house watching, you know, 4K video, and I'm still good. Uh, and uh, my wife was kind enough to let me, you know, paint this wall back here green, which is puke green. It's not a good home decor color back here, but uh, with, with the lights and the bandwidth and, and the software that's become so easy to use to, to do live video. I use Wirecast. A lot of people use OBS because it's free. I'm not smart enough. I, I don't want to learn video production. I, I, it, it, every brain cell I need has to figure out what the weather's going to do. But I use a program called Wirecast, which is an amazingly stable platform uh, that, that enables me to broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube. And um, again, I do a lot of radio, so I have these you know radio mics around here. But I think the technology, the greatest help for me is being able to do live at home. Uh, you know, during COVID, I was live at home for quite a while, and it's just easy to work here. And uh, a long time ago, you couldn't do that. But now with the bandwidth and what we have, you can, and that's just an incredible advancement. I guess as you probably wouldn't, uh, well, you might have been, but most people probably wouldn't even been allowed to do it from home until the pandemic forced the issue on management. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, there are a lot of software programs out there for telestration and drawing on maps that are almost more effective and easier to use than what we have here in our studio. So there's a lot of great stuff out there between James and our good friend Brad Panovich, who pretty much knows everything about that home stuff. Um, you get a pretty good idea that you can do everything at home pretty easily without all the WSI Max and stuff. They don't probably like me saying that. That's what it is. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, in fact, our show today is coming from a home studio right now uh, that also has the green ball back there, and I too could do the, the full station stuff from here. I do it occasionally. So all three of us have home studios. The last question as we come up to the 11 o'clock hour is, how do you use your home studios for social media during high impact weather? 
I think I can probably speak for Ed. We're we're at the station, Ed, right during yeah, high impact exactly. weather. Oh, Le yeah. Leading up to it's the big thing. Yeah, he's absolutely right. I mean, uh, I have no problem like with James doing a morning show, an afternoon show, and the evening shows for as long as we need to get those done. At home, sometimes I'll record videos from my home studio that I'll post to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, but most of the time, I'm already here at the station, and I'll use their technology because it's probably better than uh, what I have at home in terms of a camera. So, uh, yeah, but like, like James, I want to talk to him about his setup because that thing looks as good as a studio. And same with yours, Alex. <laughs> I do everything, I guess. Uh, Bill, I'll turn it back over to you, and we can close that out. Well, I, I, I've been great, uh, great listening to all this because it's all stuff that I don't really deal with. If you saw my quote home studio here, it's, it's not even a, a MacBook Air Pro. It's the lowest end <laughs> Mac Airbook. It's probably close to needing replacement. And courtesy of Alex, I got two nice lights so you can see my face in the shadows. <laughs> That's great. So I really appreciate uh, uh, the conversation with you guys today on, on where we're going with this stuff. It's, it's very enlightening. Yes, thank you very much. It's uh, been a really great program today. So uh, thank you, Ed, uh, for being here. And uh, James as well. All right. Our pleasure. Perfect. Let's, uh, let's remind everyone that uh, we wouldn't be here without USAA, South Padre Island, uh, Convention Tourist Bureau, The Weather Company, The Weather Boy, Walmart and Live View, and Black Magic Design. So thank you so much for being here. We've got a couple of great programs coming up, two more for the hurricane season. So we will see you next Wednesday, 10 a.m. Loved what you've heard on this week's episode? Well, well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Thank you.